So I, I think this is going to be the episode where we're going to do in three single steps, just like you can get your abs in the morning, we can fix all of your people. No, I'm messing around, Laura. Welcome to the podcast. It's a Friday afternoon. So are we going to have a couple beers, whiskeys? What are we going to do? We're going to do a shot of tequila, Adam. A shot of tequila, and then we're off. Well, listen, this is exciting. You all say hello to Laura, Chief People Officer of Clarion. When I say say hello, you know, say hello to yourself. This podcast, you're listening while you're walking or driving. And this is an interesting episode. Um, we're going to do something pretty crazy, I think. I think if Laura's in with me, we're going to build a bridge. And for the podcast listeners, it's a bridge from season three to season four. But in reality, I think it's a bridge for all the innovators on this journey into what's on the other side. And uh, if our previous discussions with Laura are any indication of things to come, go ahead and put your seatbelt on. I mean, not literally, but, but it may get a little bumpy. It's going to get fun. L Laura is amazing. And Laura, your experiences in the world of, should I say HR or people operations? Everyone I talk to has their own way. How would you say it? Uh, you could say HR, which will bridge the, uh, the, the journey from uh, personnel to people. Love it. And you've been in this, in this for, for, for a minute. As I told someone, yes, a period of time, greater than 20 years. Greater than 20 years. And companies included Logitech, Yahoo, number of other organizations. I, I see you, Laura, as a thought leader, an influencer, and you actually know a number of the other podcast guests that I've had on. What a small world. Small world. Love those people. Jennifer Trespass. Uh, let's see, Kelly Dragovich, some of my favorite people in the people function. They're thought leaders for sure. So if you're all listening, get ready. So he here's what I'd, I'd like for us to reach as our, our North Star for this conversation. And Laura, you can challenge me. I know you will. I don't need to even say anything. You're based on our previous discussions, but here goes. Over the s three seasons, 80 episodes, we comfortably answered the question of what is the future of people initiatives by saying adopting marketing mindset in the world of HR, toward the employee experience. Although Laura, you and I will have a little gem on that too, because we had a lot of fun conversations on that. But now, where do we apply it? I think the way we apply it is by connecting employees to organizations. And in this episode, I'd love your opinion on how do we apply marketing to connect employees to strategy. Yes. So before we dive into that, I'm going to take a deep breath. I had a lot that I wanted to say. Laura, when you and I first spoke, I said marketing internally. What was your, what were your reactions? Well, let's just, let's just play it out for a bit because I think some people are going to listen and enjoy and, and resonate. Yeah. I might've done a little bit of an eye roll because I think you were also talking about marketing level spend for um, employee programs. And that is probably the HR dream would be to have our, our CMO's budget to spend on employee engagement and employee messaging and all the great things that marketing does. But um, absolutely saw your vision and agree with you on a lot of points, but I think we had a bunch of areas where, I would love to see if HR could become, or the people function could become more like marketing. But uh, we had some points where it was, let's see if we can prove it out. And I think you've got some thoughts on how we might be able to prove it. And all of you listening, you violently agree. Of course, in the world of HR, if we think about the budgets, compare the budgets for something like this that's being spent externally to internally. I think the question is, should we have those budgets yes. and the resources? Yes. But to answer that, we got to build a business case, a use case. Exactly. So Laura, where do we begin? If we want to prove out that connecting employees to strategy is going to lead to X, right? We got to speak in business outcomes. Mm -hmm. Where do we begin? And, and 
actually one more thought before we just dive in. Over the last three weeks, I've spoken to so many of you and you all are in difficult, many of you are in challenging environments. Whether your organizations are going through layoffs, whether there are performance challenges, the economy is hitting you. We are now facing challenges that maybe haven't been seen for, for, for a minute in the market and in your organizations. So Laura, when we think about this connection, where do we begin? What business outcome or outcomes do we put in our line of sight as what we want to pursue? Yeah. Uh, and Adam, when you asked me that question, it really made me think deeply. What, what would success look like? And I think success would look like if I've connected an employee to the strategy at their level, they're making the decision, do I go left or right? They make the right decision that supports the company's strategy. So that I think would be full success would be employee understands the strategy. They've internalized it and they actually make their day-to-day -day business decisions based on the strategy. That's the dream. And let's think about those decisions. Those yeah. decisions could be based on, do I stay? Do I go? Those decisions could be, how do I perform? What a discretionary effort versus do I just hide in the meetings, turn off my zoom and go apply for the jobs? What kinds of decisions macro micro do you mean all of them? That's, that's interesting. You're taking it to the esoteric level. And that is sort of when we think about people, absolutely what I think about, right? Retention, et cetera. I literally meant, you know, do I spend on this or that? Where do I, uh, you know, do I work on tuning a piece of software or adding a new feature? So I, I truly was thinking about the actual work output. Um, mm -hmm. Because I guess if you think about it deeper, if I, if I've, do I need to connect you with the strategy to retain you? Maybe, maybe not. But most, most valuable thing to the company would be you are literally operating in a way that supports our strategy because you know it so intimately and you understand your job's connection to what the company wants to achieve that your literal work decisions are made. But I like that you've got its two layers. It really is that. And then it's my connection to the company, both retention as well as the discretionary effort I'm going to provide. And let's calibrate to what you meant. Mm -hmm. Let's calibrate there. And it's literally, we're saying everyone is rowing in the same direction. Yes. Right. We're all seeing that line, that line of sight. Yeah. And historically, how this has been done, when I say historic, I shouldn't say historically. The way it is currently done is there's a town hall. There is a moment of inspiration where leaderships talk about it. And I'm not speaking to your company in, in general. Every time I get it in these phone calls, we talk about how, how, how do you accomplish this? Yeah. So would you agree with my premise of where to take us? And it's okay if you don't, we'll, we'll pivot. But do we ask the question of how do we take marketing? Mm -hmm. How do we take this idea that we wanna connect you to the strategy and how do we apply marketing in order to accomplish it the way we would if this was something we wanted to accomplish with our customers? How would we do that? How would we leverage marketing? And, and how, talk to me, you Laura, a little bit. Marketing concepts and practices, right? Or do you mean how yes. would we leverage our internal marketing team? You mean the former, is that right? I do, the okay. former. Yeah. So we pick the brains of marketers, but um, I, I, you know, I think about the evolution. Someone walked me through the evolution of finance from accounting to finance. It went from mechanically adding numbers to this science that helps you inform how you run your business. And my understanding is that marketing went through a similar evolution. You know, at one point it was just writing articles, putting ads out, but 
where marketing became powerful was when they measured the success of their work. And so I think what you're pointing out is if we're going to use marketing cons modern marketing concepts, it's not just I had a town hall and explained to everybody the strategy and they looked happy. It is measuring the outputs. And I think the discussion we're going to have is what is it that you measure? What, what determines whether or not some, an effort has been successful? So we're doing that right now when we have a town hall and all hands, you know, was this content value to me? Do I understand it? Was it the right length? Um, the next level would be, again, did I learn something that's going to inform how I work and make decisions on the job every day? Then the next level, is it going to inform my um, excitement about bringing more energy to work? Third level, is it going to make me stay with the company? So I, I think it's the measurement. And that's something we talk a lot at Clary about is being data driven. I think it's the measurement is that modern marketing practice that HR has, I don't want to say struggled with. We've been passionate about bringing analytics to our function for a long time. It's figuring out what's the right way to get at those when it's different from, did someone buy something? We do have retention. That's a metric. Um, I said, you know, in my dream, when I was at Yahoo, my dream would have been if we could have had little uh, devices we could have implanted in employees to measure sort of their pulse rate and their excitement, um, because that's really what um, will tell you, did this connect with them or not? But there's probably other ways. And I know a lot of us, you know, the Kellys, the Jennifers of the world are out there thinking about Lori Ferraris, you know, what is um, a way to measure that? That's, that's not just um, the trailing metric. So the trailing metric for HR is always, has always been turnover, right? We want something before that. We don't want to know there's a, you know, a leaky, a leaky a ship, you know, that's, that might be too late. I want to know when people's sentiments are changing and the discretionary efforts lowering, right? I want to know when they're making the wrong decisions about where to go left or right because they don't understand the strategy. And I think that's the code we need to crack. And maybe some I'm of gonna, them it. <laughs> I don't think so. I think this is it. This is this is the bleeding edge. We're we're having this conversation now. And I think season four is going to open up a lot of opportunities for where we can go. But let's let's build on what you said and go layer by layer. You said what we can learn from, it was great. You talked about finance and marketing, how those functions have evolved and how important being data-driven is. And then you talked about lagging indicators like retention and in some cases, performance. And then there's the lead. This is Dave Ulrich's work. So my apologies. Yeah. No, no, it's, you're bringing in brilliant minds. I, I, that, that's awesome. Um, so Laura, leading indicators, and if we looked at the world of marketing and we said, I, I forget that I'm going to butcher this, but someone at Coca-Cola was asked, why are you still spending so much? Everyone knows about Coca-Cola. And the response was, listen, you're not going to turn off the engine in a plane while it's in the air, right? So you, they keep spending. They keep spending a lot. Why? They're measuring things like impressions huh. to start with. How many people see the message? And today, more than ever, we need to see the message eight, nine, 10 times before we see it for the first time. Yeah. We heard the town hall. It was incredible. We heard the strategy yes. and we got back to work and to our lives. What kind of data points can we think about from the world of marketing to try to bring internally? Do you think impressions? Do you think engagements, conversions? Do we, and you know, you and I spoke about this. I'm getting really excited about the idea of a campaign. How would you think, what, what would we bring in and talk to me about kind of your, your first reactions? Yeah. Um, 
So your question is about camp. You're talking about a campaign, but are you saying, what, what do I think some of the leading indicators might be? Exactly. How do there, you think about data? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, in the, in the people function, it's really, we've got to really turn over a lot of stones to try and find some of these metrics. One of them, oddly enough, that, that one of the people on my team came up with was um, participation. How many people show up? We, at Clary, we have, we implemented it during COVID. Uh, we got more rigorous about communication since we're all, uh, we're a fully remote company. Um, we do a weekly town hall that starts the week. And then every month we do it in all hands. And so one thing we realized was perhaps when there's a dip in employee uh, engagement, less people showed up for those town halls. So HR, I think the people function has to work so much harder, maybe than marketing or other organizations, or maybe someone's going to crack that code and we're going to 10 years from now, everyone will know these are the obvious, but very not obvious things you need to measure. So we literally look at what percentage of our workforce shows up for a town hall. Um, what percentage of people are chatting in the chat? There are these really sort of 21st century uh, metrics that are, didn't exist in the past. Um, so we're constantly looking for things that tell us are people engaged, uh, but they're, they're harder than, than most. We also do a super simple uh, weekly, bi-weekly survey. It asks you, what's your happiness level this week? Are you feeling remarkable, good, okay, not great, or bad? With little smiley faces. Shout out to the team at Poly Surveys, who we use for an incredibly simple Slack survey. And so we literally know employee sentiment and we can track, hey, we just hired a new leader. Is the team excited? Are they, are they feeling bad? Are there pockets? So again, the more data-driven a people function is and uh, the more that you've got someone looking at that and looking at it historically, the more that you can gain some insights. So, uh, yeah. No, love that. And once you see the data, do you, do you respond to it? Do you react to it? Do you, do you change course? What happens yeah. when, as you learn about, yeah. the, about these data points? Yeah. Well, I, I talked to a sort of brilliant CRO um, who said, I, I figure things out usually by my gut and my gut, which is CROs have some great guts. Uh, their gut tells them something is, is they, they get a theory, a hypothesis. And they have a coworker who's their, their um, partner in crime. And that individual checks to see if the data backs it up. So I think that's where you do it is the people function is intuitive. A lot of leadership is intuitive. Um, that's usually some of the most successful people. And you match that with the data. So first of all, you're aware that there could be a challenge. Hey, we're implementing change. Uh, we've got some competition. So you, you're aware there might be something happening. You then say, well, let's look at the data. And then let's also use our intuition. Let's blend all three of those things to see, do we have a problem? Do we have an opportunity? You know, and to your point about, I'll let you go. We'll, we'll talk about campaigns when you're ready <laughs> or I'd love for you to ask me, you know. You know what? L let's go there. I think we've okay. set the foundation of it because really this episode to me is a bridge. It's a bridge between where the podcast has been and where it's about to go. And that will be for those listening, many of them, and Laura, for you and what we're about to do because you're committing to a multiple appearance. We're, we're doing this now for season three. Yeah. We'll do it again for season four. Once you run a campaign, we'll come back and say, remember that conversation? Here's what we've learned. So let's go there. How would you envision a campaign? Let's talk about, and it's focused on connecting mm -hmm. employees to strategy. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and, and everybody on this podcast probably has a different experience their company's going through, but, but there's very few companies in the world that are just sitting flat on the ocean, no, no change, there's no wave. So, you know, we're riding and tech, you know, SaaS tech has been riding the growth wave. Um, and we're now riding the growth plus profitability wave. And those require different behaviors. We don't need new people, but we do need to be thinking about how we address the business challenges differently. People are going to get different things from their company when you're a, grow a profitable growth company versus a hyper growth company. So everything changes to your point, Adam. And I think the campaign would be, how do we connect employees with what this new world looks like and make sure that they know what's going to be in it for them, what we need from them. And, and to your point, making it a campaign that's uh, pervasive and long-term. So when I think of a campaign, that's what I think about versus a quick hit, right? One all hands, I tell you something and we never talk about it again. Yeah. And marketers do think about it all the time. There's an ad. And then there's a continuation of that ad. There's a campaign that's a reinforcement, a reminder. There's certain behaviors that are being um, nudged, if you will, Laura. And and you and I also talked about. Adam, uh, is it okay? My insane dog is at the door. Do you mind if I? Oh, sorry. I, don't I, I always. Know. You will now have my dedicated focus in one minute. You are a bad dog. Sorry about that. Oh, absolutely no worries. I was just saying that we're taking some of what marketers do. Yeah. They're like, hey, we were running an ad or yeah. we run a, sorry, uh, some kind of a, a commercial. And now how do we sustain it? How do we encourage the right behaviors? So when you think about connecting employees to strategy, how would you think about what behaviors do you want to nudge? What is it thoughts? Like, hey, asking them to reflect on what does your work mean? toward our strategy. Maybe there are actions that you like them to take in collaboration with our team members. What would you like to see? We're brainstorming. What would yeah. you like to see has never been done before? So if a campaign is successful, what kind of behaviors have we uh, triggered? Right. And I'm lucky enough, I work with a gentleman named uh, Andy Byrne. He's our CEO of Clary and he's just a phenomenal guru. He's incredibly passionate about leadership uh, employee growth, et cetera. So he's answered a lot of the questions you just asked me. So uh, for him, it truly would be both to your point, people would think about things deeply, but it would inspire action. So for him, that abs, you know, as we've talked about, what would we like to see as an outcome of uh, the transformation and the campaign we would like to do? It would absolutely inspire someone to do something differently. They would know why they're doing it. They would know the result and what's going to be the outcome. Um, and you just, you may, if you don't mind, I'd love to also mention, you, you made me think of what, why is a campaign more important now? And why do we care about connecting employees with strategy versus when you said the old days, I figured you were going to go there and you did it, which is, you know, if you think about the 1800s, you know, I'd been wearing a dress. I would have come in and I would have been helping assemble. I don't know rocking chair parts or something, right? I would have been an automaton inside of the industrial revolution. I would have been doing a very specific routine task that frankly, you don't need to tell me about the company's strategy. You need my hourly rate to be effective. You need the environment maybe to be safe. That's about it. You probably need a boss that over time, over the, you know, as we've evolved, maybe that treats me with respect, but my work output was mechanized almost and the kind of workers, so I think this is why your campaign and marketing concepts being applied to employees 
is so relevant at companies like Clary and the, and the great companies that you talk to, employees have massive discretion in what they do, how they do it. And so uh, it's, it's imperative that they understand the strategy or that they understand the output of whatever campaign we're trying to drive. It's different from when there was little variability in the work. There's massive variability in how they get it done. They're probably working out of their home. They probably have complete discretion in a lot of matters. And the kind of people that we like to have at Clary, and I'm guessing a lot of your the companies that you're talking to, you want that kind of employee that does have the discretion. That's going to be what's going to differentiate an employee from a, an AI bot, you know, or a machine. This is what we have our highly paid and incredibly skilled employees for. So that's I just wanted to share that when you brought up campaigns, I was thinking, well, why why didn't this come up in the 50s? You know, the 50s, it probably was this a safety campaign, right? How many days can we go without, you know, chopping off a finger? You know, that would have been the campaign and that would have been a, the marketing campaign of the 1950s. Fast forward to the 2020s and uh, we've got a we've got a real it's company changing to get employees connected with the strategy. Whereas before, I don't think that would have been an essential Ask uh, I do want to go to a note that there are still some campaigns benefit from not having your finger being chopped from a, so there's some environments so you, you, that still exists but it but it's now there are other types of campaigns where you, discretionary effort where you're so right you need to see the line of sight to what what's happening in the organization and you said something you, you said success of a campaign is uh, to do something differently. Right. And, and, and I started asking myself, well, if that's a conversion, like in the market, we borrow from the world of marketing, yeah. right? Okay. We say there's impression, there's engagement, there's conversion. A conversion is do something differently. I'm putting you on the spot, Laura. We're, we're coming up with this emerging market literally on this podcast. So do you have any ideas? What does that mean to do something differently? Do you mean to deviate from your day-to-day -day in order to get closer to the strategy? Do you mean to come up with ideas of how we as an organization can come closer? And and, and if you're not sure yet, that, that that's, that's totally cool. I'm just thinking about conversion in the context of this campaign with that as, as our objective. It's all those things, Adam, and I think it depends on, on your function. So if I think about the people function, it would be thinking about something and doing something differently. Hey, why don't we try doing this? Really thinking out of the box. Um, engineering, obviously, brilliant geniuses. But if uh, I, this isn't a Clary thing, but I'm just thinking of a prior company I was at. If software quality was of our highest importance and the campaign explained to the engineer um, that she would understand that is what's most critical, it changes how they approach building a product. You know, so we, we transmit things consciously and unconsciously, right? And if you're trying to drive a change or achieve an outcome, the more that you can be specific and clear about that, the better. So I think it depends on the function. It's just like any campaign. It really is very customized. So I can see it being so many different things. Um, it's something that either informs me on what, what path I should be taking as an employee or to your point, it could inspire me to say, I'm putting my pencil down and thinking about something out of the box and coming up with a solution that's going to knock the socks off of everyone totally. I work with, you, were, you know? That example you made Fair. is so spot on. We're actually running a campaign now to connect developers and engineers to their mm -hmm. line of business in order to impact code and product roadmap. And, uh, you know, you don't expect every single uh, nudge, every single activity in a campaign to create an impact, but 
sometimes it's hitting on really interesting conversations and thoughts and actions that are leading developers to start asking questions that will have a profound impact on their product roadmap, which is truly um, stunning, but also logical. That's what we do with customers. You don't expect every ad to hit home, but in totality, these ads are leading in, in general, they're leading customers towards certain behaviors. When I worked at user testing, that was a big thing for us was connecting our engineers and they were passionate about that, connecting our engineers with customers. And there you did have engineers that would suggest product features while they were working, would actually bring things forward and say, hey, um, based on you, you invited me to a meeting or you let me let, let me just listen to a recording of a customer that had this concern, that made me think here's a different way I could do it. So obviously that's the role in, in a lot of modern SaaS um, tech of uh, product management. But just imagine if you harness the power of the people that are closest to the code, um, understanding and having that empathy, as Andy would say, empathy for the customer, you're right. I mean, that's that's unleashing, you know, a superpower in the hands of the people that actually build it. So I love the, the, that. Know, and it's, doing that. It, over the years, often it has come to my, just I've been reminded, it came to my attention, common sense is in common action. We, we, we often completely agree. <laughs> it's, it's not like you, you would send something revolutionary. You could say something simple. Today, stop, pause for two minutes. Mm -hmm. And ask yourself and pose a question. That in itself may be sufficient to create, uh, to create, to create change. Um, mm -hmm. Laura, just moving into a tracking success. You and I talked about yeah. lagging indicators, and we're not going to go further than, than that in in those. And now we talked about kind of campaign uh, data that we'll receive. We can see now how many folks have seen the campaign how many chose to engage with it, perhaps even how many converted towards certain actions. Yeah. Um, how else do we think about measuring our success? And here I'm thinking, do we introduce surveys? Do we, do we think about, you know, you already do pulse surveys. Do you look at the impact that these types of campaigns have on, you mentioned a simple survey that you do in Slack. So maybe talk a little bit about a, how, how do we yeah. think about um, we're almost doing a design of, of a campaign here in broad strokes. As we, how do we measure uh, yeah. success in, in more ways? Well, there's, there's one thing that the people team at many companies have done for a long time. Um, so this will resonate with a lot of your listeners, which is acquiring a company. So over the summer, we acquired a phenomenal company called Groove. Um, and typically what you do, 30, 60, 90, maybe 30, 90, 120 day surveys, do you understand why the acquisition happened? How do you, you know, and the questions change over time, right? But the first one is, you know, do you feel, for us, it's important. Do you feel you were treated with respect? Do you feel like you understand your new role? Do you know, so, so that's what we've done. And, and I'm guessing most of your podcast listeners will absolutely be like, yeah, we do that all the time. So I think we intuitively, the people team has done that for a long time. Um, so that one is great because it does test for, did they hear the message? Um, how are we operationalizing it? And it does give you two things. One, it does tell you some things when you, especially when you do your open-ended comments, it does tell you some things you can work on. Uh, but more importantly, for most companies, you're not usually just going to do one acquisition. You're going to keep doing those over the, your lifetime. So it was really helpful for us was we had done an acquisition a year prior. We got the feedback from that survey of how they felt about the integration. And that rolled into learnings for this acquisition of Groove. And they've given us some learnings that will roll into the next one. So I think there's a, a look backward and look forward. 
Um, there is asking the questions and people mm -hmm. knowing you're going to ask the questions. I think that's a big part of it. And, uh, yeah. And then we did a pretty big uh, change across a lot of other organizations. Some of those organizations, I think you and I, I might've mentioned to you, one of them was really reshaping the role of our customer, mm -hmm. customer success organization. This is something that many companies do as they evolve through different growth stages. So we very in intentionally communicated with that group. And we're checking in with them to see how they feel on this journey um, and course correcting, right? If they feel like they're not getting the right amount of enablement, yes, it is a trailing measure, but it's, if we're asking every 30 days or so, you know, that that's quick enough that we can double back and fix it. I'm sure you've heard about this, but sure. survey fatigue is a challenge. So, um, you know, I think about, you know, if I think about a campaign, you got your ENPS, right? Your, so your net promoter score, ENPS is just the employee net promoter. But I think about if I'm getting a champ campaign to potentially change a mindset or behaviors, winning for me, and I don't know how to measure this, Adam, you know, you could, other than serving someone else, is someone saying what, what we wanted them mm -hmm. to hear to someone else. So I can imagine a new hire would hear from someone who is a, a recipient of that campaign. They would be saying, conveying that to a new hire. So, you know, our employees learned it so well and, and agree with it so tightly that that's showing up in how they talk to other people. Um, a sales rep campaign would mean that they would be talking to prospects in a way that mirrors what we ask them to think about differently about our company. So I don't know what the right metric is or, or a good way to get that, but I'm sure if we thought about it deeply enough, we could probably find out. Um, Cause to me, that's ultimate success, right? You've internalized it so much that you're now, for sure, across all channels and all audiences. It's just a part, it's an extension of your organic yeah. conversation. That's how you're thinking about it. Perhaps even it's effortless. Yeah. yeah. And I'll just throw out there, I guess you just made me think of another, which is clearly, obviously we sell the sellers. Um, so we're very active on LinkedIn. Um, a lot of our customers and prospects are sellers. And so LinkedIn is just the Bible for a lot of, um, where a lot of salespeople go to get get and reach out to customers and prospects. So if I think about our marketing team, we obviously evaluate how our LinkedIn impressions, et cetera. Um, and we do do that with Slack internally, right? So we have channels. Um, we have channels that are general in nature. We have custom channels. You know, how many likes, how that, that is a way that the people team can, again, without over-serving our employees, because that's a challenge, right? That's a, that's a precious resource you can't waste. You do it too much and people just check out. But that is a way that we have done. How active are people in those groups? Um, you know, we have we have channels where you know how connected are they outside of their work lives? So we have the fam chat, which is parents, um, the pup chat, which is dogs. I believe I'm not a cat owner, but there's I think some form of a cat chat. And so you know, there, there's other groups, and so those are ways we have something called Better Together, which is our um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging group. Where, you know, again, if people are highly active there, not only does it show they're connected, but they are um, not just buying into, but helping shape the company's vision in that area. So I think Slack or whatever, you know, chat tool a company has is a way that we can act like marketers, similar to how marketers use LinkedIn to see, as you said, how many impressions um, up, down favorable. We have a lot of lessons to learn from marketing. I think is what I would say, Adam, I need to pick my uh, CMO's brain a lot more and, uh, uh, Devin Reed and, and, uh, uh, 
Julian Sauvage. Those are our, those are our heads of, uh, you know, the external marketing. I, I need to be uh, picking their brains because they have, they have a lot. I can it, it's from, coming. Sure. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. There's going to be a knowledge transfer, but also it is not a copy paste. And that's where I want to take our conversation just a bit for yeah. a minute. When we think about a campaign, there's one aspect that keeps coming to mind for mm -hmm. me that is different between these audiences, because these folks do work at the organization. As a result, we know a big portion of, of the employee experience variance is their manager. And um, I think it's 70% plus, yeah. but also it is about the leadership. It's about leadership showing they care. So if this type of a campaign does take place, the way we've been thinking about it is it probably should be announced by, by folks in the leadership. It should probably be, probably, it should be um, lived by the managers, lead by example. But I'd love, Laura, your take on first question would be reflecting on some of the differences between campaigns externally versus internally and the roles that are being played would be played in this campaign by the different folks within the organization that's a great question i mean i can't imagine you would roll something out without letting the leaders know first because uh we have such great people managers and so much of tech does right they, they care deeply and the first question an employee might say is, what's this for? You know, we don't have a highly suspicious workforce, but there, there are always someone who's like, what's the reason? What's the purpose? So I can imagine you would have a very flat footed campaign if you didn't provide the, the management with some kind of an insight on what you're trying to accomplish, which can hopefully also build credibility and trust. So um, I guess that that would be a difference is to your point of Coca-Cola, you know, who do they inform uh, before they, they, you know, run a, run a campaign? I don't know if they inform parents or something. Um, what, else is, what else is different? I mean, right. It's a fascinating question. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the next yeah. area is, is one I'm, I've spoken to, I mentioned a, a number of companies over the last few weeks that are going through particularly challenging times. And some of the questions being raised are yeah. if we're going to connect our employees to strategy, what's too much, what, how, how far do we go? <laughs> In it, is it going to be broader, very, very much, you know, call it proper lines? Do we go deeper? Do we, sh how, how deep do we share? Do we segment? So, and, and everyone is asking, there's no answers at, at this stage, but no doubt we're about to experience a very natural tension between not enough, not being real and authentic enough or, or too much. And like, hold up right. a second. I can't get anything done now because yeah. you've given me so much information. My hands are shaking. So, Laura, did, what, what's your take yes. on, on this line and this natural tension? Such, such a great question. And I, and I hear you bringing up two super relevant things. One is just overload. You've given me too much information. You've given me more information than I need to, to be. You filled my cup way too much. up. I don't need all this information to know how to do my job, to know I'm committed to the company, et cetera. So that's one. And then there's the second one, which is, how far do you pull that curtain back? You're right. You know, at, at, as you go through the organization, the highest level has insight on everything. And um, it requires a lot of information to know whether or not that's really scary information or that's, hey, that's just, I'm not worried because I have this overall picture. An executive spends all day looking at those things. And an employee might have a 30-minute soundbite in an all hands. They might have a follow-up with an email blast. To your point, a campaign. Um, I think there's a cautionary tale there of balancing the line between having credibility and transparency 
and going too far and providing information that, that perhaps if completely unpacked is not something that would be scary to an employee, but at, at a high level could be. You know, if you say something like there's a lot of competition, right? How much deeper do you go in that uh, education knowing that they have a day job and they have a personal life? So, so there's that balance of, I think you're right. It has to be a balance of what information is going to be helpful. What information is going to inform and create. We're spending a lot of time talking about this trust, right? Trust in the organization. If I feel like I've observed or know something, and when you do your campaign with me, you don't cover that topic. Let's say competitive is the issue, right? For a company. If you don't cover that topic, then you're, I'm, I'm absolutely losing trust in the campaign. I'm like, you've told me how great we are. You've talked about this product. You told me what we need to do differently. But one thing I view as a concern to our, let's say strategy, you didn't even address. I now either think you don't, you, I have two choices. You either don't trust me and now I don't trust you as much, or you don't know, which is maybe even more worrisome. <laughs> Right. So, so you really, I think you've hit the nail on the head as far as how much is too much and how much transparency is healthy and, and how much, when do you go into the vein of either overwhelming me or scaring me with stuff I really shouldn't be scared about. And then this isn't the case at Clary, but I've been at companies where, you know, there is something employees had they known it would be very worrisome. I mean, if you read Ben Horwitz's book, you know, the hard thing about hard things, um, I have. You know, in there, he talks about there were times I happened to work there and uh, and I knew a lot of those things. Uh, you know, there are times when there was sort of financial challenges. And um, I think Ben feels like in his book, I believe what he said was he wished he'd shared those. I actually don't know, because just sharing that information about, hey, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, we're at a point where there might be some financial issues that if, uh, impact our ability to have everyone working for us. It's a balance, right? You know, how much do you do you want people to know when they need to know? So it's 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 probably one of the greatest conundrums around communication. But to your point, the authenticity of a campaign and the uh, effectiveness could be impacted too little or too much. I, I like that dial concept you're you're saying, and something to think about as we hopefully go through a campaign of our own. Yeah. Okay. And, and one day maybe there's a question of developing personas. There will be someone who's interested in much more, and 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 they're part of a wow. tell me everything group. And then there's, um, I just want to get to go home. Persona, yeah, that's I love that one because exactly. I personally love that when my marketing team talks about personas, and I love that. And I think the people team intuitively does that. So so in recruiting, we absolutely have different personas. Um, but it is a question similar to Clary now sells multiple products. And, you know, the question there is, is there a different doorway when someone comes into our website? If they want to buy conversational intelligence and we're showing them something about running revenue, what is the appropriate doorway? And that's the example of I, I'm not here for this yet. I will be someday. I'm here for this other product. So to your point, when we want to attract an engineer on the recruiting side, we do try and do tailored messaging uh, versus, let's say, a finance person. But how complicated can the people team be? How can we bifurcate our messaging with, with either external sites to attract talent or internal messaging? For sure, a campaign can be targeted to a group. But when a CEO stands up in front of 2,000 people, 
we're, I think that's maybe where you and I talked a while ago. This is the challenge when my CEOs taught and, and we're not at 2000, but you know, I've been at companies have been 15,000. How do you speak to all of those audiences, create a sense of community, or do you say, nope, today I'm only going to talk to the engineers. That's maybe one of the hardest things as a people leader I've had to thread is what's the balanced message that hits the audiences we care about with the right messaging, knowing that they're different messages. So personas, probably I need to pick the marketer's brain a little more of how do you do that while in making your general. And for us, I guess you would say this at Clary, we have a consistent set of values, whether or not you're an engineer, a sales rep, a business development gal, a, you know, marketing vice president, everyone who's joined us has bought into those values. So there is a core of consistency, but it, it frankly makes messaging to people to messaging to employees probably pretty dang complicated because I'm not going to say, okay, marketers, you go sit in that room and the CEO will be in in 15 minutes to give you your tailored messaging, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and I think as we pursue personalization yeah. and, and relevance, there's going to be this, this message is for everyone. And then thereafter, we start to now try to meet them where they are because ultimately they're all asking a question of what's in it for me. And that the answer could be different. I am an ambitious manager. Yes. Tell me everything. Yeah. Or I am an individual contributor that just loves a, a work-life balance where I unplug and I'll see you manana. Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Laura, my, my next, and we focused on connecting employees to, to strategy. Yeah. What are your thoughts on connecting employees to X? Do we, do we eventually think about values, mission, vision, culture, benefits, connecting to X? What are your thoughts beyond strategy? And I'm just thinking ahead. This is not this next season. I'm now imagining a world where we have the people, process, and technology to be able to execute connection at scale across the employee experience. I threw a big question on you, didn't I? No, it's 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 a it's sort of a um, I don't say it's a spicy question. I, I might have a spicy answer, which is I think that's what the people functions have done really well for maybe even decades. So uh, even when I was at Silicon Graphics, my first job out of school, we talked about the culture and making sure people understood our values. We had a founder's credo. I think people teams have done that for when you talk about like the modern HR function. I think that's been done quite well by a lot of us for a very long time. And I'm saying values, um, probably one of the most core things is, is values. Um, I think that's done, you, you know, we educate people through the interview process, through the screening mm -hmm. process, when they join, we reinforce it. And again, when I say we, I'm not just talking about me at Clary and our, our people team, but a lot of HR pros and maybe even most of them, we reinforce the values through reward systems. We, uh, ask people if they understand them. We provide trainings around them. So I think that's probably where the people team, that's one of our core competencies. I think the strategy, and again, a lot of our, my colleagues are going to say, we've nailed that. We're good at it. And I think at Clary, we do a ton of that. Um, I think that's one we're probably pretty decent at already. One thing that I've seen a lot of that we also do is something which is uh, behavior transformations. That's been a big thing we did at Yahoo. I did it at Logitech. 
We're doing it at Clary. When a company is growing or changing a strategy, so in Clary, obviously it's the growth, uh, we realized we needed people to have some additional different behaviors. And it wasn't just the values. These were ways that they operated. Sim I'll give you the simplest example, being data-driven. You know, that's something when you're a small company, being data-driven is almost less relevant because there's less data to analyze and crunch. As you get larger, if you're not running your, you know, your ship or your airplane with the dashboard, you're going to crash. So um, a lot of companies do that. And that is a campaign and it's multifaceted. How do I personalize that? How do I bring that home to you? And how do I frankly transform my outcome there is you are behaving differently. And I think that we've just done this effort at Clary. And I would say we, we can see that there is behavioral change and that people understand what good looks like and what we want them to do. So I think there's a lot that HR does. Uh, you know, we might not apply marketing terms to it, maybe intuitively. And that's part of maybe turning the people function into a science. Um, but a lot of us do do that. So then we pick the right area to focus on connecting employees to strategy. Yeah. That is going to be our focus. Laura, I'm looking at time. I, I could do this with you for, for half a day. I think I just want to keep going and then maybe we do another shot yeah, yeah. messing around. Yeah. Let's have just, just a tad of fun. Maybe, maybe send a message to yourself. We're going to do this again. Okay. In, I don't know if it's in three months or four months. Maybe, maybe like a, here's like, hey, we just accomplished this and I'm excited. One thing or two things so that that becomes something that we pick up on in our part two of our conversation. Mm -hmm. We've run a campaign. You and I have discovered a few things. W what do we discover? Let, let's, let's do an educated guess. Are you saying what, what's the outcome of the campaign or what, what you're saying? I think so. I think so. I, I don't know what I'm asking. Yeah, I think so. I think my desired outcome would be an employee would say, I'm making decisions on what I do day to day that support the company's strategy. And had I not been told, you know, had you not conveyed this campaign to me, I wouldn't have made those same decisions. So one, just like marketing, we are business relevant. Is the business successful? Are, so, you know, we're business people and the people function, which I absolutely love. Um, did we hit our goals? Are we achieving whatever business goal we set? Measuring that is our first test and the most important one. And then we can work backward and also do some of these more uh, interesting measures of does an employee feel that? And maybe they don't realize it, but they're actually instinctively doing it because our campaign was so good. Nailed it. That's where we're going to begin our, our, our part two of this conversation. And for all of you that have been listening, let me know if you think Laura and I have started to build a bridge. If you followed us, your comments, your feedback. Um, season four is going to be exciting. And Laura, I can't wait to have you back. I really appreciate the time, the interest, and the brilliance. I'm looking forward to running a campaign. Let's do this. All right. Over and out. Thanks. Bye. Bye.